Baum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode 59 with the busiest college basketball coach that I know. He's he's packing it in the zone like Jim Beheim here, trying to keep track of everything at home. Drew Olson, the women's basketball coach at Concordia College here in Nebraska. Uh, but before we talk to Coach Olson, of course, we want to recognize our sponsor for our podcast, Cosec Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cosec Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CosacChiro.com. Or make an appointment by giving them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, if you're listening, you're listening right now. So uh, listen to us on Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, download, rate, and review the podcast five stars so that we can get the word out and gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, be sure to email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Olson, before we get going this morning, did you realize that you have already set a record for a pen and a napkin? I did not. What, what did I set? This, this, we have set a record in that this is the earliest in the day I have ever recorded an interview <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, you could just you could chalk it up uh, with the rest of your records: all-time winning as coach at Concordia University, uh, national champion, multiple Final Fours, and and getting getting the host of a pen and a napkin up at seven fifteen on a Sunday morning. <laughs> all good. <laughs> Hey, you know what? There's there's better. Uh, you know, I can think of many many worst ways to uh, to st- to start the day than than getting up and having a great conversation about hoops. So, uh, and and I I can't complain. Like we we were just talking about before we before we got on. Uh, I've got three teenagers and uh, uh, one of them, uh, two of them, both of both of the ones that are still at home were out for Halloween last night. And, and so I had a pretty easy Halloween night altogether. But coach, you've got five kids, uh, eight under the age of eight. Uh, so your Halloween had to be a bit more chaotic than it was at the Plum House. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit crazy. But with COVID, you you don't do too much. Um, just hit a couple little houses and uh, had a nice movie at home. But uh, it was more just the, the staying, getting up uh, throughout the night with the with the two twins. So um, they they keep you up and um, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Gives you an extra opportunity to watch a little more film, though. Yes, it does. Actually, I've, I've watched plenty of film in about three years. <laughs> and not for the usual reasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Um, you know, uh, it's it's always great. Uh, it, it, enjoy it. Uh, now that you know our kids are twenty, eighteen, and sixteen, uh, we we heard a saying a long time ago: uh, the days are long, but the years are short. And yeah. and that there is so much truth to that. So yeah, they, they say it goes by in a blink. So just enjoy every every moment, even the bad ones. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, let's jump in here. Uh, excited to have you on this morning, Drew. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to our conversation. Um, you know, you've listened to, to quite a few of these. Um, you know, we'd like to start out with a little background story. And, and I think you, ha- you, have, you have such an interesting background story. You, are, you, you come from a, a coaching family, and the, and the coaching gene is strong. Uh, not to sound like Yoda, you know, the coaching, st- the, it's, it's strong in that one, I see, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, you come from a from a line of coaching, and it is, it is very important to your family. So uh, for the folks that don't know about your background, go ahead and, and, and fill us in on, on how you ended up at Concordia University. Yeah, um, I've been very blessed to be around some amazing coaches. It starts with my dad, uh, Rich Olson. He he coached at Miller South for many years, uh, won a bunch of state titles on the the girls' side, and uh, then he also won a state title at Lincoln Northeast. Um, So I I grew up being in the gym, um, watching all of his practices and and just being around the game all the time. 
Um, then, then my brother, uh, Jared, he coaches at California Baptist, also a women's basketball coach. Um, they're at CA Division One now. Mm-hmm. Um, so both he and I, like, you know, pick each other's brains all the time, and, and it's a great, great kind of resource to go to. Um, but then I've also just been around some other amazing coaches, getting to getting to play for Larry Ribble uh, at Millard South High School. Um, then after Millard South, I went one year at Hastings College, uh, played for Mike Trader. Uh, learned I learned so much from him in just the one year. Um, you know, the, some some just amazing X's and O's and, and, and things. And then uh, ended up transferring to Concordia University. Uh, learned more from from Grant Schmidt. Um, and then after I graduated from Concordia, I, I went and uh, was an assistant coach at Bellevue University for Todd Eisner. Mm-hmm. And so just a, a whole bunch of kind of legendary coaches, I feel like, at, at the small college level. And um, just each one of them very intelligent in their own way. Like with Eisner, mm-hmm. his defensive intensity is, is just amazing. And so uh, I've been very fortunate to kind of learn from some great coaches along the way. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you end up with the job at Concordia? Well, uh, so I, I get done with Bellevue, and I, you know, I applied to a hundred places and just needed a, a full time job, and I got denied everywhere. Uh, but then I got an interview at College of St. Mary, mm-hmm. and so I, I called up uh, Grant Schmidt, who was my, you know, my coach, who was the athletic director at Concordia at the time and I just said hey I've got this interview would you be a reference for me would you call them and, and let them know I'd be a good coach and so I do the interview and I think I've got a really good chance um, the next day Coach Schmidt calls me and says hey I want you to, to come to Concordia and, and take the take the women's job here um, so I'm not even sure if he even called College of St. Mary <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that he had his own his own plan for me and uh, just very fortunate to, to be able to come back to Concordia where I, I love love the Christian values and love everything the school stands for and hopefully I'm kind of doing the same thing for my players that, that my coaches did for me and so uh, it's just been a great fit so far. Well I, I, I think that goes uh, you know that goes without being said that it's been a great fit you, you've done a heck of a job coach and and uh, you, you've we'll get into that here uh, in just a minute. You know, you talked about influences, um, and 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 a lot of people are very familiar with uh, your dad and Coach Trader and, and you know that type of thing. Um, but I think one of the great influences, and and obviously we're both guys, so we're mm-hmm. both uh, we're you know I'm I'm very uh, and especially with my own story, I'm I'm very um, empathetic to to your story of your mom and you know she uh, was diagnosed with with ALS and you know most people with ALS um, live you know for maybe three to five years after the diagnosis and your mom ended up you know just saying well forget that I'm gonna just keep on keep on here and uh, she she lived to some total I think I read 32 years uh, with 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 Lou Gehrig's disease and you know what what did you also learn from her strength and her values as 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 and and watching your parents and and I know a little bit you know I know a lot more about the story than most people do about the the sacrifices that your father made, um, you know just just watching that in in action as a young person um, that had to be a tremendous um, learning. Uh, just, just, just watching the strength in in your parents' marriage and and the battle that they went through with your mom's condition. Yeah, uh, huge influence in my life. My mom was just an incredible, incredible woman. Uh, the things that I would say I took from her um, would be would be her faith. Um, just constantly going to God, knowing that even in in the huge struggle. Um, she she kept her faith, and uh, then the second thing would just be her toughness. I mean, mm-hmm. to to live like that, basically with with ALS, uh, you can't move, you can't talk, you can't eat, um, and and you're completely dependent on everybody else around you to to help you. And um, but she just had to be so tough uh, all the time. And I, you know, growing up though, like. My, my parents did such a great job of just kind of making it normal mm-hmm. and 
you know, we, we, as kids, yeah, you know, it's like a little bit different, but we never thought like we were different. Yeah. Um, just because, because of the way that they, they handled the situation. And, uh, we, we felt like we had a great normal childhood and, um, just because of what the, what our parents did for us. So mm-hmm. it was amazing to be around, um, you know, very, just very proud and honored and awed of, of what my mom was, was capable of doing. Um, but also what Christ did for her, um, to, to kind of like work through her illness and, and show, show God's awesome power through that. Mm-hmm. I, I read a quote where your mom said, uh, Something along the lines of, you know, if there's one thing I can teach you, it's make every day count. Um, And, and, you know, how do you, how do you uh, use that message within your own program? Well, yeah, you just, you don't take anything for granted. You know, every, every day that you get is, is a gift and um, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on it and and make the best of it. Um, Regardless of what your situation is, um, you just, you keep fighting, you keep, keep battling and, and make it, make it as good as you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so you took the job at Concordia, and Concordia's women's team had been a solid program, a, a good program, um, but but not at the, you know, at, at the time that you took over uh, Briarcliff, Hastings, Morningside, you know, that's when the, the, those were the, the programs that were kind of ruling the roost um, in, the, in the Midwest here. And uh, you, you've taken it to just a, a completely another level that Concordia has, has never seen before. Uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think were the were the key steps that you took to go from good program to pretty good program to where year in and year out you're going to have to the, the road goes through Seward, Nebraska if you're going to win a national championship, or you guys are going to be in that fight on a consistent basis. Well, I mean, uh, first of all, it's the players. I mean, if, if you don't have the players, you're you're not going to be uh, as successful. Uh, C- come on, that's that's players. too simple, Drew. That's too uh, simple. Come I, on. It, it seems very simple, but, it, it is. <laughs> but I, I would also say that I I I took over a program that that was um, still like very viable, and we, mm-hmm. you know, they had been to the Final Four just a couple of years before, um, and so I was able to kind of use that in the recruiting pitch that that, you know, this program's been there before, and then it was just a matter of getting recruits to buy into me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had a, a couple decent, really good players uh, that I inherited, and, and so we were able to kind of generate a little bit of success early on uh, to kind of give me credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then again, we, we just kind of kept building on a couple extra really good players, and um, eventually, you know, you, you end up having this this great team that that really buys into to what you're you're wanting to do and um i think the the culture is you know it's cliche but i think the culture has been phenomenal of our our kids buying into the the sacrifice the selflessness um our style of play and i think that it's just been very attractive for for more kids to to want to come and be a part of our program but um I, I don't think that happens without, you know, having having great great players. Um, you know, just thinking over the last couple of years with Philly Lammers of Miller West, Grace Berry of Lincoln East, um, just phenomenal mm-hmm. phenomenal talents that that really bought into what we wanted to do. Well, don't forget the the guy that gave you Mary Janovich. Yes, yes, Mary Mary was phenomenal too. Yeah. I mean, I think you you were definitely aiding in that. Wow. Well, <laughs> that- uh, well, I I just I just made her look really good for three or four years, and you know all all you had to do was turn on the the, the tape of her against against Scott, and it was like oh, I gotta get this kid. That's funny. Yeah. So uh, she, she made a lot of people look like that, though. Yeah, that's 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 very true. That's very true. So, um, you you were you were grinding away, and and, and sometimes. Uh, it could it could be a little frustrating where you were you were bumping your head up against that ceiling and uh, you know Morningside you were playing Morningside in the title game one year I forget what year it was might have been about fifteen yeah and and they hit a shot essentially at the buzzer to win a national championship and you know just just God just so close so close so yeah. close and then you finally break through in twenty nineteen describe what that was like. It 
it was pretty surreal uh, just to, to have everything you worked for finally accomplished. Um, it, I just felt so happy for our players. And um, it's kind of funny because, like, you, you dream of that moment. And then when that moment happens, uh, there is a part of it that's kind of like, oh, is that it? Like, <laughs> once the game was done, you're like, oh, now what do we do? Um, but but to, to experience that with your players – to have the confetti falling down on you, to have your, you know, my kids are like playing in the confetti. Uh, that, that's just a moment that, you, that I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. That had to be awesome. You know, and, and just the, it had to be satisfying to a degree uh, because we're, you know, no matter, you're about as unselfish as they get, Drew, but you still have to be a little bit selfish to do this job. And, you know, you, you didn't win it in your first year. You didn't win it in your second year. It, it took you, I think it was your 14th, 13th year at Concordia before you finally got over that hump. And, and, you know, this was, you know, from a coaching perspective, this was your championship. This was not an overnight process. Uh, I imagine some thoughts of just everything that it took to build to that point also went through your brain. Yeah, it did. I, I would also say that it like it brought back memories of of the other players and just like how much I appreciated um, what they did to build to that point. And I, you know, I, I hope that they kind of felt that same uh, joy in in winning, even though maybe their teams didn't actually win at all. But mm-hmm. we could not have done it without those stepping stones and and those other players teams getting us to that point and um so yeah it was it was very satisfying but also like i i really wanted to make a point to to all those former players that we couldn't have done it without them Mm -hmm. yeah it 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 was a program victory if you will yes absolutely yeah yeah um so i'm gonna ask you a a tough question here because i know it's going to be hard for you to answer it I'm going to ask you to narrow it down to one thing. Um, talking about the the dinner table at the Olson House, if there's one thing that your dad gave you, or or, or within your coaching style, within your coaching philosophy, etc., what is the one thing that you uh, above everything else that that you have taken from your father? Say one thing. I, I you just get can one. I, can I do two? Oh, jeez. So, uh, I'm going to give you two. Oh. It's, it's time with politics and I can do it. <laughs> so, I'm going to say number one was always to do something fun. Okay. Um, and and he, he preached that all the time that, that it's basketball, it's a game, it should be something fun. And so, uh, with our team, we make sure that we do something fun every day, even if it's something really small. And in most days, it is something really small for like five minutes to start the practice. Um, but our, our players know, like, the, this is a game. This should be something that, that we get to enjoy. Yeah, we want to work really hard and want to win. But um, at the end of the day, it, it's more about having fun and enjoying being around each other. Um, and then I think the second thing is just the, um, the, the competitive drive that he had um, every, every day. Like, it, it mattered to him. And... You know, I think that I'm very fortunate to to kind of have that same kind of personality to to want to win all the time, regardless if it's you know playing ping pong or Mario Kart with my kids. Like I want to win, <laughs> and I think that's that's coming from him. You're not uh, you're not like uh, talking trash with your with your six year old or your eight year old when you're playing Mario Kart, well, are you? I haven't got to that point. But I, I definitely talk trash to my own players. So <laughs> as as do I. As do I. So, um, same same question to you about your brother. Um, I think with Jared, I think it would be more of just like all the the X's and O's, and um, I, I wouldn't say it's anything in particular. It's just how much we, we kind of like align with each other of, of how we want the game to, to play out, you know, what kind of style of play it is. Um, and, and so I think that would probably be the main thing just because so many, so many times we'd be, we'd be talking over watching an NBA game and, you know, they just see what they ran or mm-hmm. so little things like that. Yeah. Well, 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 speaking of higher level, 
um, coaches, uh, you, you put down a, a pretty good list of, of some very prominent uh, folks that you have studied uh, to help build your philosophy as well. Obviously, you, you have a little home court advantage with, with you, like we've discussed with your dad and your brother and kind of, you know, everything that happens at the, uh, the Thanksgiving Day uh, dinner and that type of thing. Uh, but uh, you also put down uh, four pretty prominent like I said, world-class coaches. Uh, so I'm going to go rapid fire on you here and and just kind of talk about in your studies of these gentlemen, uh, what you've taken from them and, and what you've done to apply to your program to help make it better and maybe some good resources that you found with these guys that would help other coaches out. Does that make sense, Drew? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So let's start with uh, let's start with Gino Ariema. Um, what have you taken from him? Gino, it's um, the building of a program and then keeping it there. Just his his ability to sustain that greatness. And I mean, if you go on any kind of YouTube and, and watch his stuff, but he's also on uh, What Drives Winning. Um, he's got a couple of really good videos on that. Um, but I, I just I'm so blown away by how sustainable UConn women's basketball is, and and that's something that you. Know, like every coach wants to strive to like get to the top, but then stay there is is just so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the daily grind of mm-hmm. and year in and year out, and, and bringing that intensity to the table every day. Yeah. So, uh, Greg Popovich. Uh, Popovich is more about the the culture. Uh, I love I love his selflessness. Um, you know, one of the quotes that I stole from him him is. We win, we lose, we go home. Um, just this idea that hey, we're gonna go to work and, and compete, but whether what whatever happens, move on from it. It's just a game. Um, but I, I I love how much he talks about his his players and how he coaches them, and um, so that's what I take from him. I, I love when he talks about how they and, and you have more control over this uh, with your program uh, because you can recruit the kids mm-hmm. in, in large yeah. part. Um, but but he basically says with the Spurs organization, you know, we're not going to bring in um, I, what Coach Terman calls "I guys," uh, selfish guys. Uh, we want players that are over themselves. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. In, and and that's something that you can control at your place. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. We we talk about that a lot with our, our team, and um, you know, keep kind of referencing like videos and stuff. But uh, a beautiful game, if you YouTube a beautiful oh. game and a beautiful game part two, like if you just listen to what each little thing they're saying, it it, it shows you what their culture is, and I, I just find that so amazing. And so like we we watch that with our team every year, so that they understand like this is what we're wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's a. That's a uh, a great you know you can order some or order some pizzas or whatever and just mm-hmm. just just hunker down. It's about an hour long, isn't it? Well, those, those are just like five ten minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it basically kind of like goes through their their championship run, uh-huh. um, and it, like it shows great highlights of, of how they play the bas- how they play the game and move the ball, but um, but it also kind of like gives you a little subtle things about their culture and so it's really good yeah um steve kerr uh steve kerr i think it's more about his offense and and his just his ability to let let his players play free um like watching the warriors even though i'm i hate to say this i'm a lakers fan uh, but, but it honestly pained me to like see how they played with LeBron. Uh, <laughs> side tangent there, but yeah. uh, watching the Warriors in their in their heyday the last you know two three years ago with with KD, Steph, and Clay and Draymond, Iguodala, like just how well Steve Kerr just allowed this offense to just go. Mm-hmm. And you know Steph Curry takes these incredible shots where you're just like, would you allow your own player to take that shot? Probably not. But because it's Steph Curry, he does. And I think allowing my players to kind of have that kind of freedom to get to that level, I think, is is really important. So that's probably what I've been just inspired by with him. So, so you were not enamored with the with the ISO ball that the Lakers rode to, to get oh, to the man. championship? 
if you look at their team, like what a bunch of knuckleheads they were like, all, all across the board. It's just like, how can I root for these guys? But, but I think I, I'm still a Lakers fan because of the Magic Johnson heyday. Uh-huh. And I just kind of try to stick with them, but it, it gets harder each year. Uh, you mean you you wouldn't wanna you wouldn't wanna spend quality time with J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters and exactly. yeah. yeah, those are quality guys. So. Uh, yeah, just just don't touch J.R. Smith's truck. Uh, all right, last last one on the list, Brad Stevens. Uh, Brad Stevens, I, I just think he's a genius. Um, I mean, what what he did at Butler and what he does at, at Boston, like his X's and O's are really good. Um, we, the, the kind of the main thing that I stole from him is, uh, is this kind of like pregame, uh, basically like keys to every single game success. Uh, he says, number one, be great defensively. Two, uh, don't turn the ball over. Three, win the hustle plays. And four, take good shots. And I, I mean, it's very simplistic, but if you like really focus in on those things and, and doing those things to the best of your ability, like your, your team is going to be really good. And so um, those, those are four keys that we have before every single game. And then we kind of give a little bit more details um, based on the opponent we're going to play. But, but it's those four things every single time. That's, that's awesome. I, I love that. Just a simple four-banger four list of boom, 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 boom. And, and uh, uh, I'm... I'm stealing that from you, Drew. <laughs> well, I stole from him. So. Well, well, and there we go. It's it's steal, yes, it's it's six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon here. Only it's six degrees. <laughs> it's it's three degrees of Brad Stevens. So, <laughs> so, um, this uh, this year is a little bit different for you. Um, you, you're, I, I read uh, your your season preview on some website, and and you're you're. You're playing the underdog, and I'm using air quotes here in, yeah. in, in my basement here. The the underdog, uh, you're, you're preseason number two in the G-Pack instead of preseason number one in the G-Pack. And uh, only, you know, you're, you're 11th in the nation preseason. And, and at the NAI level, just well, geez, even at the Division One level, you know, preseason rankings are such a crapshoot. Uh, but, but, you, but you did lose... Uh, a great class of players uh, with Lammers and Barry and 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 others, um, mm-hmm. you know. So so it is going to be different. Um, how are you? You know, the the perception is different um, this year for you. The um, the preseason expectations aren't quite. They're still extremely high, and you, I'm sure you still have those expectations. But, but how are you selling that to your team? Is it is it just we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, or hey, people don't think much about us this year. Let's go out with a little chip on our shoulder, or maybe a little all the above. You know, how are you selling that to your team as as you as you begin your season here? Well, it's definitely all of the above. It's it's a mix of. Um, because we've got such a, a new young team, uh, we we can tell them that you know they, nobody knows us and nobody respects us and and let's go prove that we're still the same program um, and and at that same time like our, our standards aren't going to change we we still have high expectations and um, so we we want to maintain uh, kind of like going back to Gina Arama just continue this success and and don't have any kind of slippage. Um, it, it's going to be a challenge because we, we are a completely different team. We're very young, um, but man, we've got a lot of talent, and we're we're excited to to finally get going. Yeah, well, and especially with the way last season ended, you know, you had a you had a great chance at going for a back to back championship, and 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 now it's just like, man, we're just thankful to be out on the court. I'm sure. Yeah, it, it's such a weird feeling. Um, like it, it almost almost doesn't seem real that we are going to be playing games in about five six days mm-hmm. um i'll believe it when i see it kind of thing <laughs> um but but yeah we're we're very anxious to, to get on the court and, and and see what we've got and in years past like you always get your your scrimmage or a couple exhibition games and and this year we we haven't been able to do that just because of covid and um the, the games that we had scheduled were against NCAA Division One and Division Two teams, and so uh, they canceled on us. So now we're we're kind of going in cold turkey, mm-hmm. um, and we, I, I think we're looking good, but it's against ourselves. You yeah. really don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, but but most everybody's in the same boat, right? 
Yeah. And so I think everybody's kind of feeling that same anxiousness. And I think early on, you might have some games that probably aren't like real indicative of your team just because of the uncertainty and you know, all the, getting out all those jitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's what I used to tell my teams when we'd come over for your team camp and we'd be over in that indoor track facility and it was 206 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? It's two, it's 206 degrees in here for us, and it's 206 degrees in here for them. So don't complain. Go out and play, you know, and, and, and you guys are used to doing things a certain way, but now everybody's having to do it a different way, but it's it's everybody. So go out and, and do what you need to do. So That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we another history-making event here on a pen and a napkin this morning, Coach Olson. Okay. We, we have a new sponsor. We have a new sponsor. Nice. So uh, teachhoops.com is is our new sponsor here. So uh, want to have the opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach? Look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches go to get better. Coach Steve Collins shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N. That's teachhoops.com backslash a pen and a napkin. That's the way you get in on it here. And you can start your subscriptions. Uh, it's 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 very affordable. It's uh, $34.99 a month when you sign up. And you get a 14-day free trial, Coach Olson. So uh, combine teachhoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help you become the best coach that you can be. So... Check it out, folks. Uh, Coach Collins does a great job, and we're kind of partnering together here. And uh, I, I encourage you to go out and check out. Like I said, it's 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 no risk. Uh, 14-day free trial. So give teachhoops.com a shot here. So, um, awesome. yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's really good. It's really, really. I wouldn't. Uh, I hope my reputation is enough to say I would not partner with somebody else if I didn't think it was a really good partnership and it's really good stuff. I wouldn't put it out there. Um, so, uh, so I encourage folks to check it out. Teachhoops.com backslash a pan, a pen and a napkin, a P A A N. So, um, the Don Meyer quote of the day, coach, the Don Meyer quote of the day here. And, and Drew, feel, feel free to comment on it if you would like. Defense involves three things, courage, energy, and intelligence. I agree with that. I, I think you get, you got to understand your opponent and, and know how to play them. Um, I think the courage part to me is what really resonated. I think to, to be a great defender, like you just got to have this tenacity and, and recklessness almost to, to put your body into, into places where it, you know you're going to you're going to feel something the next day. But um, I, I think that that's a big part of defense, of, of being that tough and courageous player. Well, and speaking of defense, you've you've definitely uh, established a, pun intended, bulldog of a, of a, of a defensive philosophy there. And it, it's kind of an interesting backstory. And you and I have talked about it a little bit before. Um you were you were in the G Pack a long time with uh, two of my, you know, two guys I spend a lot of time with, uh, Mike Power and and Jamie Sale, and definitely big believers in pressure defense. And you uh, you kind of got tired of getting beat by those guys and tried to figure out what was going on, yeah. and and so like we talked about before, you begged, borrowed, and stealed, and you kind of cre- <coughs> excuse me, you created your own. Uh, defensive system out of that. So, um, so without giving the kitchen sink away, what what is your defensive philosophy? How do you integrate it within your team? I'm just going to kind of let you cook here, Drew. And and if questions come about, I'll throw it in there. But just kind of let our let our uh, listeners behind the the curtain to see the great power, great and powerful Oz here, and, and how how you guys have done what you've done with your with your pressure defensive scheme. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll first kind of restate what you just said like we we stole this really from from mike power briar cliff and jamie sale at morningside um you know they they were so good for so long and um i just i watched game after game after game of them trying to like figure out exactly what they're doing if the ball goes here what does their defense do how do they shift and um 
it partly was trying to figure out how to break it, <laughs> but in so doing, it kind of like thought, this, this is actually like a really good style to play and um, tough to go against, so why not do it yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other, the kind of like the third part of it was uh, I got a hold of a video from Vance Wahlberg, uh, who's kind of the creator of the dribble drive motion offense, but his, his defensive videos, I think, are even better. Um, but he's got, I think the video is called Full Court Defensive Pressure System or something like that. Um, but watching that video, seeing what Briarcliff and Morningside did, we were able to kind of like put together our own own system. And so basically what it is is a, it's kind of like a 2-2-1 um, back into a matchup 2-3. Um, but the whole idea is, is to pressure all the time, uh, to force the ball up the sideline, keep the ball on, on one side of the floor, so not allowing any kind of ball reversals, um, lots of trapping. Um, it, it's kind of high risk, high reward, because you're going you're gonna to probably give up some layups. There's so many times where uh, our, our back person in the press is pushed up so much that we give up a, a wide open layup and the whole crowd is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't you love those cat calls? Yeah. Get out of the press. And I'm just like, it's okay. Like we gave up that one layup, but we're going to get three steals because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so you kind of have to, to take the good with the bad. Um, and, and I think it's been a really fun style for our, our kids to play in um, because it does cut them loose. You know, they, they just play really, really hard. Um, one of my philosophies is that if you played as hard as you could, you're probably only going to last like, you know, maybe three minutes of game time. And, and so we, we really encourage our kids, like you got to play as hard as you can to, to get yourself subbed out, knowing that you're going to get subbed back in. And as long as they're not taking breaks and then, then everybody ends up being happy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, did it, did it come naturally? to you to kind of go to this high risk, high reward system, or did you kind of have to, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, this is something I've never really done before. Um, here we go type of a thing. Well, we, so when I, when I first started out, we were a man to man run and jump team. Uh And, and so I think it transitioned really well into this. Um, I think, I, I guess I'm, my personality is a little bit more high risk, high reward. Uh-huh. Um, so, which is kind of funny because I wouldn't call Larry Ribble that. Mike <laughs> Trader definitely not that, and Todd Eisner definitely not that. So, like, I, I think it was just kind of interesting that um, that's that's how I was. That it was okay just to to give up some baskets mm-hmm. if, if we're going to generate our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think when when I worked with with Mike we were running jump and flying all over and you know, yeah, like you said, we, we gave up some baskets. And then when, when Jamie took over for Mike at Briarcliff, uh, Jamie was a little bit more conservative. He still wanted to pressure. And, and, and the team that, that we had with Jamie was not as athletic as the team that we had with, they were still very, still very good athletes, but not the, as, as fast as, as we were. And so you know, we kind of Jamie, and one of the things that Jamie said, and and is I don't want to give up as many easy baskets. I know we're going to give up a couple easy baskets, but he was a little bit more conservative uh, than than Mike was in that regard. And I, I think you've kind of found that that happy medium where you're pressuring more, but and you might give up a little bit more but not as as much in the run and jump um that right. if you, if you're getting back to that zone concept um you're you're not going to give up as many easy baskets against good teams as you would potentially against a run and jump and a really really good point guard mm-hmm. yeah i you know going to the the good teams like the whole idea was to, to gear this to be able to beat the best teams. Um, but while we were doing that, we realized, like, because of the style is so difficult to play against, we rarely ever lose to an average team or a bad team. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like you just don't have those bad games, um, which is really nice for for the, for the win-loss record. But uh, it did give us that, that chance to beat the, the, the great teams. And, um so I, I think it's a it's a really fun style to play in, um, but as a coach, like you've got to have that kind of willingness um, to, to allow your players to, to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. What are, what are you looking at 
when it comes to your, you, you talk about being the great teams, and that's one of the criticisms of, of folks who are not pressure folk, uh, pressure people, um, that, well, you can't beat the great teams pressuring because they're going to have probably a great point guard, great ball handlers, and they're just going to have players that are going to be able to make more plays against your pressure than you're going to be able to create on them. What's your answer to that? Well, I think that with our pressure, we're 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 wearing them out. So if they don't have the depth, then they can't beat us. But we're also most of the time taking the ball out of their ball handlers' hands. And yeah, they might have other good players. They've got more good players, um, but we're making you know player four and five beat us um, as opposed to players one and two. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're putting them in a situation where you're doing some zigging while everybody else is zagging. And when you, for example, when you get to the, not necessarily the but you get to the national tournament and you got to win three games in four days to get to the final four, you have zero prep time to really prepare for what you're doing. And if you're doing this in, in a unique way and a unique style, it's hard to prepare for. Yeah, it is. And you said it perfectly that on that third day, when you only have about you know, 12 hours to prepare for that team, if I'm having to go against a man-to-man team, that's going to feel fair, very natural to our team to prepare for, whereas opposed to our opponent who's preparing for us, it's like, man, we have never seen this before, and it's it's just going to be a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's a lot harder to prepare for in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Was that as you've as you've done it is, is that even more of an encouragement to to keep staying with this style the 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 difficulty to prepare for it yeah absolutely um the other thing i think with this what this does is it almost like takes away the opposing coach uh as, as we're talking about like preparing for things great there point so many times with the I'm thinking about early on when I was playing against Blair Cliff and Morningside that I would just tell my team guys like I can't do anything for you like I this is this is just about you being able to take care of the basketball play understand how to play basketball spacing movement and knock down shots but it, it really takes away a lot of the coaching because there's there's very few like X's and O's and diagrams that you can you can scheme to go against it. It's just a matter of do your kids understand how to move and, and take care of the basketball. That is a great point, and and especially you see that I'm surprised we don't see that more at the Division One level because you you have these coaches who can break down you know and they have access to everything um, and and all the time in the world. To, to do that and um, why not take you know don't let them dribble up and call out their their 35th set that they have memorized that they can get the shot at this precise spot here uh, pressure doesn't allow you to do that it forces you to play in a different way and, and I I've never understood why more teams don't go to it for that very reason that you're talking about drew yeah I think with with players they're used to taking the shots. Like, th- this is the shot that I get in this offense. But then you go against this style of defense, and it's like a little bit more rushed. These aren't the shots that I'm used to. I'm not. I haven't been practicing these shots, and so your your percentage just goes down. Um, that that's always how we felt going into those games. That maybe you hit a couple shots early, but when you get when you get deep in the game, they start to wear down a little bit. They're not used to those shots. They're out of rhythm. That, that their percentage goes down greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that's so. I you know I, I I think that's I think that's good. I, I think that's such so many good things here in the last ten minutes talking about pressure defense, and I and I think you you know how important is you as you're building your program as you're building your culture. And we talked earlier in the pod about taking that next step within the program. How important is it to find one or two things? in your program x's and o's wise that are like we said zigging instead of zagging against everybody else to give your your program that that unique uh style that unique um you know we know when we play concordia we're going to see this that concordia is going to do differently than pretty much everybody else we play on our program or on our schedule you know as you're building that up you know is that an intentional incorporation into your program? 
Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it goes back to it was something that was really successful against us that we we thought, well, let's become that. Um, and now that we've become that, it's how, how can we maintain it and continue to be this team that's a little bit different and unique than all the other teams in our conference in, in the country. And, um, you know, we... I think we do a really good job of bringing in the, the, the right players to, to continue to fit the system um, of athleticism, uh, length, but also people that are going to sacrifice for, for the team. And Because it, if you're going to play in this style, again, you, you just can't play the entire game, and so you're going to you're only going to play about half the game. And so yeah. you, you want players that are willing to only play about half the game, but in the big picture, like they're, they're still going to get their individual awards. They're going to get the team awards and, and all of that stuff. So uh, getting, getting those kids are, are really important. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that here and just, uh, you're, you're stealing my thunder a little bit. Okay, so all right. no, it's, I forgive you. I forgive you. So um, statistics and analytics, uh, what are you know? That's one of the things you said you wanted to talk about as well. Uh, what are some things that you guys look at that? Um, and again, you've got a little bit more time and resources than we do as high school coaches. But maybe some things that you really look at, at that are keys analytically uh, that are also uh, transferable to to high school coaches and, and that we can adapt and, and, and why do you look at those things? You know, what are some, just, just kind of go with that, Drew. Yeah. The, the main things that we look at, like when I get the box score at halftime or I get the box score at the end of the game, uh, the first thing I always look at is, is turnover margin plus rebounding margin. Uh, I think too many coaches really emphasize, well, we out rebounded the other team. Well, that that can be good, but it could also be bad because, like, if I don't if I don't miss any shots, there's there's not a lot of rebounds for you to get. Mm-hmm. So, um, to me, it, it's turnover margin um, plus the rebounding margin. That's gonna that's gonna tell me how many extra possessions that my team got over yours. Um, and so that's a really big emphasis because you know we we might get them to turn the ball over you know twenty extra times. Well, then there's 20 shots that they didn't take for us to get rebounds. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, so we we make sure that we combine both of those two stats together uh, to to see how many extra possessions we're getting. Um, and then the next category would be possessions. Um, we we want to look to see what are and maybe you guys at the high school level can't do this every time, but uh, we like to look at points per possession, uh, both on offense and defense. And um, we always want to have like a a 1.0 or greater uh, points per possession offensively. And sometimes like it it just kind of depends on how you view that. To me, if, if we come down on offense, we take a shot, miss it, but we get our offensive rebound and put it back in. To me, that's just all one possession. Yep. So that would be two points for the one possession. Some people say because you got the, the second shot, that's two possessions, but um, kind of semantics. And then – Hey, Drew, um, they're, they're wrong. They're wrong, so just ignore them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and, and then the, um, the third one would be um, I like to look at an individual's uh, efficiency uh, for, for the game. And that and, – very like basic of when they go in the game what what is their what is their plus minus when they come out of the game so like um, our starters obviously go into the game when the score is zero zero when I make that first substitution let's say I take all five out what's the score now we're up eight to two so all five of those kids are plus six right now mm-hmm. um, but, but we do it on an individual basis so then at, at the end of the game I can tell hey, you know this this player. She didn't score. She didn't even get a rebound. But her team was like plus twelve when she was in the game. So so either she's having some effect on the team, um, or maybe her teammates were just really good around her. But that's something that I've I've got to figure out. But I think I think that you can find there's some players that are actually making a bigger difference um, than just the box score shows you. And it's kind of the the Shane Battier. Uh, glue player effect that there there are just some players that you can't really account for, mm-hmm. but but you know they're they're doing some great stuff out there because they're they're making the extra pass they're you know they're 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 
being unselfish and, and giving up the, the shot for, for the better player or defensively they're just finding ways to, to get stops. And um, I, I think that you've got to account for that as a coach to, to find out are there players that, that you really should be playing more um, even though they don't, they, they're not as glamorous. They don't look like they're, they're doing as much, but I think they are. Well, there's, there's only one ball. And, and, and so, and only one person can have it at a time. I've studied the game. I figured that out. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, so what are you going to do without the ball in your hands? And, and I, and I think that's such a key component to getting players to realize what are you going to do without the ball in your hands and, 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 and to sell it to them. And, and, and plus minus is a great way to do that. Yeah. And I, for, for our team, like I would never display all of their plus minus to the whole team, but I might pull a player into the office to like explain to them, hey, you know, th- this is where you're at. Like we, we need more production out of you or hey, this is why you're playing. You know, we, like we love what you're doing. Keep it up. You know, even though you're not scoring, just to kind of like reinforce, encourage them that they're doing good things um, because because we we have. We have our own sports information director. We have our media that's going to like hype up the the star players on our team. But it's those other players that also need to to feel the love that hey, you're making a huge impact on our team, even though you might not be getting the press for it. But mm-hmm. I want you to know that that you're a big reason why we're winning these games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that comes into our the next thing is is the culture of your program and and you've explained a lot already throughout the the pod on the culture of your team and why you are where you are at uh you know what's the you know what are some more places where maybe you've gotten that from what are the basic things that you do how do you continue to build you know every year it's a new year and it's obviously you guys are in a different situation because uh, these are not kids that have grown up together. These are kids that have never met each other essentially until they get to campus. And yet within a couple of months, you need to bond them together as a team. And here's our cultural norms. And this is what we do here at Concordia University. So so how do you build that culture on a yearly basis? Um, you know, just, just dive into your, your program's culture. Well, uh, first we'll say our five phrases that we have that kind of like helps set the foundation of our culture and then it's them continuing to follow those phrases. Uh, the first one is success is a choice. Um, knowing that, and, and success is not defined by wins and losses. Success is defined by you maximizing your God given potential. Um, but it, it's your choice. Do you come into the gym and, and get extra shots in? Do you, uh, come watch a little extra film? Do you do, do all the little things to, to make yourself as great as you can be. If you're just coming to practice for the hour 45 every day, you're probably not going to reach your, your, your full potential. Um, so number one is success is a choice. Uh, two is leave things better than you found it. Uh, I think that's my favorite one. Uh, stole that from Becky Hammond. Uh, she, she basically said that um, as you're, you're going to make this impact on people, whether you, it's good or bad, um, but if you just go into a locker room and, and clean it, that's great. But we also want to do it for people. So every person that you come into contact with, we want to leave them better than we found them. Um, and I think that really like aligns with our, our kind of Christian philosophy. Um, so then the third one would be uh, don't rock the boat. Uh, kind of stole that from Fleck with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's a whole or stuff. But it's just this, this idea that, hey, we're all on this boat together we all want to end up at the same place, right? And it's your job to, to help the boat get there. You might not have the right spot on the boat that you want. You might not even have an oar in your hand. But can you help the boat get to where it wants to be? Um, so don't rock the boat. Don't just because you're unhappy try to move things around. Like So I think that's a really big phrase that, that we picked up on. The fourth one would be uh, don't do anything stupid. Just very all-encompassing, on-the-court <laughs> stuff. Uh, and then the fifth one that we, we picked up just a couple of years ago is that tradition never graduates. And just continue to reiterate that, hey, even though these players have graduated, their 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 legacy, what they've taught, carries on to the next group. And, and, and that kind of leads me to 
when, when you asked how do you keep this culture going, to me, great teams are led by players. Mm-hmm. Um, me as the coach, like, yeah, I say these things at the start of the year, but unless unless our players are following them, unless our players are, are the ones kind of like impacting the, the freshmen and the sophomores to continue on this legacy, to, then it's it's not going to continue on. Like it, it's on them to to keep it going and to to really kind of value those those phrases. Mm-hmm. The, the I always tell my teams if I have to talk a lot we're probably in trouble. Yeah. And, and, and the more you guys are taking care of things, the better we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and I, I just think that when, when players are able to handle things uh, and keep the coach out of it, kind of like another thing Popovich would say is like, keep things in house. Um, you know, when they keep things in house and they, they deal with it themselves, then you know that the team is is functioning really well. If I keep hearing about things and I have to keep handling things, I'm I'm glad that I'm able to like fix it and hopefully fix a little problem before it becomes a big problem. But um, but then then your program's going to run a lot smoother just because everything's being handled by the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of players, last last thing here, coach. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for? in a Concordia player. And I say that, you know, you guys have had a tremendous amount of success, especially in the last six or seven years. Um, And I'm sure you've had situations where I want to, you know, I want to play for Concordia. I want to come play here. I want to do this. Um, A lot of people say that they want to play for a championship program, but then they don't realize how hard it is to play for a championship program. And, you know, I've been fortunate to be part of, of multiple places where we've been very, very successful. And when I was at Briarcliff, we would, we would recruit an all-stater that let's say, you know, we thought was going to be a a contributing player. And and that kid is transferred out by the end of their first semester, just because they didn't realize how hard it was going to be to play for a championship program. Um, and I think that's uh, that's an appropriate statement about your team. So as you are evaluating players, what makes you go, yeah, that's that's a bulldog. That, that that's a kid that we want at Concordia, and we and we think that they're going to be a good fit, and they're going to have a chance for success at Concordia. Yeah, the, I mean, obviously, the first thing is is are they good at basketball? <laughs> um, so like, that's, that's a that's a prerequisite. Come on. <laughs> As we're watching, we're like we can see, man, they're really skilled. They they do this really well. Um, you know, they can shoot it, they can defend, whatever. Um, you know, very good athlete. But but then in the in the recruiting process and the conversations, you really kind of start to get to know them. Are are they in line with with your Christian values? Um, do they want team over self? Um, and, and I think as we like continue to stress that in the recruiting process, it kind of weeds them out. Mm-hmm. Like they, they start to realize, well, man, he's really serious about that. I, I, I do want to play the whole game. I do want the ball all the time. And so they, they kind of like back away from the situation anyways. Um, but, but we also look for, for kids that, that want to handle that pressure. Um, cause it, it is, it is pressure to, to continue to win and to step into a program that just expects to be in the top of the top of the, you know, top 10 of the standings and, uh, of the polls. But I think our, our kids understand, um, that if you're coming here, you want, you want that challenge. You want that pressure. Um, we're looking for kids that have previously won in high school. Um, I think if you've won a state championship or you've, you've been to the state tournament, that kind of gives you an edge. Um, we, we look for kids that are really, really tough. And, and I think through the through the recruiting process, the conversations, you can start to, to tell which kids those are um, that are going to fit in and, and last. Um, because it's, it's difficult to, to kind of maintain that success. But as long as you're bringing in kids that kind of have already been a part of that, then I think it's going to make that transition a little bit easier. I, I think you bring up a great thing. And I know we conscientiously did that at Briar Cliff. We looked for winners. And we look for kids that were used to winning, that knew how to win. Um, and, and we would look at it sometimes. We would be more uh, 
attract attracted to a recruit who maybe averaged eight or nine points a game, but had been to the state tournament three, you know, three out of their four years of high school, rather than a kid that was averaging 17 points a game for a 500 team, but they're shooting all the shots and it's all about them. And yeah, the team's okay. And maybe, yeah, they have some individual talent, but they, they just haven't figured out how to win. And some of that circumstance as well. I'm not saying that that applies to all kids who average 17 points a game for a 500 team, but winning is, is such, uh, it, it is maybe one of the hardest skills to teach a player. Yeah, and and I think that once you have one, you you realize what it takes. Um, but if you've always been a team that's like five hundred, you're, you're on teams that are always five hundred. You don't really understand exactly what it takes. Um, as you were talking about this, Mac Hellman is the player that comes into mind. Um, she she just graduated. She was a senior that last year. Uh, she won a, a state title at Lincoln Pius. Um, but she was a role player for, mm-hmm. for Pius, like, you know, third, probably third leading scorer. Um, and, and so perfect fit for us. She's somebody that understands how to win, somebody that understands her role and, and can sacrifice for the team. Um, and I can't tell you how many big-time shots she hit in her career to, to win games or to uh, to keep us in games. And it's just there's something about them, this, this kind of quality that – it's really hard to, to really pinpoint, but but when you have it, you have it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I lied. I do have one last question for you. Okay. okay so forgive me. Uh, recruiting in the age of COVID, how much have things changed for you recruiting-wise over the last few months? And, and, and how, again, it's kind of one of those deals. Everybody's in the same boat, so nobody's at an advantage or a disadvantage. But uh, I'm, I'm sure your recruitment schedule and, and how you evaluate players has been just completely turned upside down as well. Yeah, so for, for this coming class, the 2021 group, thankfully, like, we, we had a really good grasp of, of who was out there and, and who they were and uh, who, the, who the players were that we were really targeting. Um, we had to do a lot of, like, uh, Zoom Zoom calls with, with them and um, as opposed to bringing them onto campus because during the summer we weren't allowed to have people on campus. Uh, we did a lot of like virtual tours where I videotaped myself giving the, the tour of our facility. <laughs> I sent them the videos so they could watch it. Uh, uh, so can, can you can you send me a copy of that? I would love to see you in action. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was very different, but thankfully now we we can have uh, some recruits on campus. That's been a little bit better. Uh, but I think the the impact is more now for like the the junior group, the the twenty twenty twos for us. Uh, as we're almost done with our 2021 class, uh, the 2022s, like, we didn't get to watch him play a whole lot in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so there's, we, we obviously know a bunch of them, but I wouldn't say we know them as well as we'd like, and there's definitely a whole bunch that, that we don't know. And so I think that's probably the bigger challenge right now is, is we're getting into the junior class of, like, really seeing who's out there and, and who's who are the kids that we should be targeting. Yeah, yeah. Coach, any? Oh, go ahead. I feel, I feel bad for those kids just because, like the the summertime is that great opportunity to, yeah. to get shown and um, to get recognized. And, and right now, like there's got to be that uncertainty. But um, the positive is, like like you said, we're all in the same boat. Like if we need players, they're they're going to find homes, and so I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and and you know it it will adjust. It'll it'll the the, the pendulum will swing back at some point. Um, you know, it, it does put uh, perhaps more importance on next summer for that senior class than than perhaps um, it normally would be. Not to say that the summertime isn't important every summer for for every player that has those aspirations, but it's you know, you know we played this summer, but you guys did not get nearly the opportunity as you normally do to go out and evaluate those kids. So. You know, uh, a lot of that playing was in large part just to play and get reps, and not to to have the same exposure that that players have had in the past. So um, it's going to narrow the window a little bit. But if if you're good enough, you're good enough, and and somebody somebody's going to find you. Yep. So, um, social media, coach that you, that you would like to plug for your program, and and for folks that would like to follow you guys. 
Yeah, uh, Concordia University, Nebraska. Uh, find us on Twitter. Uh, find us on Facebook. We we'd love to have more followers, but um, we we post up all of our all of our kind of crazy fun things that we do, and um, you know, because again, basketball is basketball is a game. It should be fun, and uh, hopefully, you make it for your team. Yes, absolutely, and and I would love to see one of those posted tours uh, that 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 you're leading there uh, around the facility. So. Uh, uh, you, you would be like one of those uh, Viking cruise ship, uh, you know. I, I, I think you should put on like the love boat, all white uniform, and 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 lead it like that. I didn't think about theme music. That would be good to have in the background. Oh, there you go. You know, maybe, maybe like uh, uh, what's the the song from Titanic, the Celine Dion song? Oh, you know. Yeah, even yeah, there you go. The, yeah, the, those kids would be so hyped. Uh, they they would be in a in a in a coma by the time you were done. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, coach Olson, thanks so much for coming on this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was really good conversation that as, as every one of these have been, it's, it's been really awesome to connect with folks and just talk hoops. I, I got a, I got a couple pages worth of notes here, just talking about the stuff that we talked about here today. So, um, I, I benefit just as much as everybody else does. So, um, I'm just the middleman. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you again thank you again for having me that was awesome all right well why don't you hold the line here just a quick second i gotta uh, finish up with a couple of things um number one we want to again thank our our sponsor our, our sponsors now cosac chiropractic number one for sponsoring the pot again if you're in any need of chiropractic services don't hesitate to do- call dr kevin or dr heidi at 402-964-0300 again teachhoops.com i wouldn't endorse it if i didn't think it was a great resource uh sign up for teach hoops you, you got a 14-day free trial so give it a shot here uh but coach collins does a terrific job it's teachhoops.com backslash a-p-a-a-n a pen and a napkin uh the initials of that there so teachhoops.com backslash apan for your 14-day free trial follow us on twitter a pen and a napkin uh that's the twitter handle there uh obviously if you've listened to this terrific episode you can download rate review it give us five stars again we just want to move up in the standings here and help coaches and again if you have any questions comments suggestions or ideas email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com my name is marty plum this has been drew olson the women's basketball coach at concordia university Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.